As many of you know, this is an Advent wreath. Today we begin the season of Advent, which simply means that we are preparing for Christ to come near to us. That's what Advent means, to come near. And on this wreath, there are five different candles, each one representing one of the gifts that God gives to the world through the event of Jesus Christ. These candles represent peace, hope, joy, love. And at the center, at the center is the Christ candle that we light each Christmas Eve as we celebrate that God has given Christ our greatest hope to the world. Now, I don't know about your family, but in my family, this time of year is spent with a lot of questions about what we're going to give. What are we going to give our children? And what are we going to give our family? What are we going to give to our coworkers? Today, we begin a new series. And that series is called Give Up. It's not about throwing in the towel, I promise you. Instead, it asks the question, what might we be willing to give up in order to receive the many gifts of God in this time? We'll discover how Joseph gave up his confusion for hope. How Mary gave up her praises for love. How the Magi gave away their gifts for joy. And today, we'll hear about a pastor named Zechariah, who was willing to give up his fear for peace. Throughout this season of Advent, as God's holy and beloved people, let us consider what will we give up, leave behind, cast off, to make room for the greatest gift the world has ever known, the gift of Jesus Christ. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 24. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. 
The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One summer night, a mother was putting her little boy to bed. There was a thunderstorm raging outside. And as she leaned down to kiss him on the forehead in his trembling little voice, the boy said, Mommy, could you sleep in my room tonight? The mommy gave the boy a comforting hug and said, Baby, I can't. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A moment went by, and in that shaking, trembling voice, the mom heard the boy say, that big sissy. We are all susceptible to fear. No matter how young or how old, fear is something we're going to experience in our lives. Psychologist by the name of Dr. Dana Hansen published a list of the 20 most common phobias that people possess in the modern world. I thought I'd just share with you the top five. First is aerophobia, the fear of flying. That's number five. Claustrophobia, number four, is the fear of enclosed spaces. Acrophobia, number three, is the fear of height. Thanatophobia, that is the fear of dying. And it turns out that's the second biggest phobia that people have. Thanatophobia, the fear of dying, is the second biggest phobia people have, which means there's something people fear more than dying. According to Dr. Hansen, the thing we fear more than dying is called glossophobia, or public speaking. There were a number of notable inclusions in the list, and just some interesting fears, because people can be afraid of all kinds of things. Like, one of them is pelotophobia. That's the fear of bald people. Its its complement is called chiatophobia. That's the fear of hairy people. Porphytophobia is the fear of the color purple. Levophobia is fear of stuff on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia is fear of stuff on the right side of the body. Auroraphobia is fear of the northern lights, the aurora borealis. Here's one for you. Hippopotamonstrous quipadelophobia. Hippopotamonstrous quipadelophobia. That is, I kid you not, the fear of long words. And then, of course, there's a phobophobia, which is the fear of being afraid. And there are all kinds of things out there that we can be afraid of. And yet, Penn State University did a study in which it had participants write down specific 
fears over the course of 10 days. In fact, these folks got a text message four times a day reminding them to write down what over the course of the last couple of hours had caused them to feel anxiety or fear. At the end of 10 days, the participants entered a 30-day test period. Each day, they recorded how many of the things they'd been afraid of actually came to pass. The result, a whopping 91% of the things people feared were false alarms. And of of the remaining 9% of fears that did come true, the outcome was often far better than expected. And for one out of four participants, nothing that they feared during the study ever happened. But still... Fear can be a present companion in our lives. Have you ever noticed how many people are afraid just in the Christmas story? Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. We know this is true because when the angel shows up, the angel says, don't be afraid. Even even Herod the Great was afraid. A guy whose last name was the Great was afraid. When the Magi came to him, asking him where the, the child king had been born, Herod the Great was so afraid that he committed a travesty. In fact, it's one of the challenges and problems associated with fear. Fear can cause us to do terrible things. Herod the Great did a terrible thing called the slaughter of the innocents. Today, in our scripture passage, we saw the fear of a man by the name of Zechariah. A pastor, a priest, who served the temple in Jerusalem. I just, I want to point out as we return to this text that Zechariah had a fear clearly in the text, but the text points to a deeper fear as well. Look with me at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. Zechariah is in the temple. He is offering the, the gift of incense. And the Bible says in verse 11, Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. What was Zechariah afraid of? Well, in this case, he was afraid of the angel. But if we look at what comes next, we find there was a long-term fear at play. Look at verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. On the surface level, the only thing we see is that Zechariah was afraid of the angel. But if we pay close attention, we recognize Zechariah had a much longer-term fear. He and his wife wanted a baby, But they had not been able to have one. And now here they were, past their childbearing years, the Bible says. A lot of people have faced this particular fear. And I don't think we can miss the irony of what happens in this moment. Notice the the way that fear pervades Zechariah. Zechariah is afraid of things as they are. And then he's even more afraid when God shows up to remedy the situation. 
According to Luke, Pastor Zechariah was the first person to get an inkling that God was about to change everything. And his response? It wasn't hope. It wasn't joy. It was fear. You see, over and over again, what becomes clear as we read the story of the coming of Christ to the world is that Jesus entered a world filled with fear and longing for peace. My brothers and sisters, peace is God's antidote to fear. Peace is God's antidote to fear. Let let me show you what I mean. One of the messianic prophecies, the the prophecies that tell us about the coming of Jesus, comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Look what we hear in verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 9. It says, For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders and he shall be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice how the passage begins. It begins with the the tramping of warriors' feet, an image that would have inspired great fear. Garments rolled in blood. That's how it begins. And then the child comes. And it ends with peace. He is called the Prince of Peace. Peace is God's antidote to fear. But brothers and sisters, this isn't just any peace that we're talking about. It's God's peace. In fact, Jesus tells us that his peace is different than other peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then he says, the peace that I'm giving to you is not the same peace that the world gives. What does that mean? Well, What is the difference between God's peace and the world's peace? The Latin word for peace is the word pax. It means a cessation of hostility, a ceasefire. That's the word pax. You have peace, it indicates. You have peace if no one is firing at you. And if you go back to to your high school history class, You might remember a phrase, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. See, Rome would conquer an area, and then they would promise peace. As long as the people paid their taxes and didn't make trouble, Rome wouldn't attack. I want to suggest to you that that is a perfect example of the world's peace, of an incomplete peace. The Pax Romana was a tenuous peace at best. 
Because it required one people to be subjugated to another people. As long as you do what we say, we're not going to attack you. That's not real peace. It also only lasted so long as one of the powers happened to remain in authority. But in the year 410, when the Visigoths attacks, attacked Rome, the Pax Romana went away with it. This peace was not a peace that lasted. It was conditional in nature. But I want to share that the Bible talks about a very different kind of peace. Pax is the Latin word for peace. But the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. And shalom is not merely the cessation of violence. Instead, it is the presence of true reconciliation. Shalom, that kind of peace, means completeness, wholeness, soundness, health, safety, prosperity. It has an air of permanence to it. There's a rabbi by the name of Robert Kahn who compared the Roman peace and the Hebrew shalom. He said in the world's peace, one person can dictate peace. But shalom, the peace of God, is a covenant. The world's peace can be negative the absence of commotion, but shalom is always positive. The presence of serenity and wholeness. The world's peace can be partial, but shalom is complete. Jesus Christ came to give us peace, true Lasting, complete, shalom, peace. In fact, here's how the Apostle Paul describes it in Philippians chapter 4. He says, do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. Here's the true beauty of God's peace. It is beyond circumstance. It surpasses our understanding and our rational selves Shalom peace goes far beyond the ebb and flow of daily challenges and worries and tragedies. Paul tells us it does. A peace that confounds our understanding. And then he gives us a prescription. How do we find this peace? Paul says, Don't worry, but instead, pray and give thanks. Don't worry, but instead, pray and give thanks. The Apostle Paul is telling each one of us across the span of 2,000 years, he's telling us that this moment, this day, we have a choice to make. We can give ourselves up to anxiety, to fear, 
Knowing peace only when people decide to stop taking shots at us. Or, we can know peace at all times and in all circumstances if we are willing to pray and give thanks. A flood struck the town of Obendorf, Germany in December of 1818. As it did, it destroyed the church there. And Pastor Joseph Moore, who is the pastor of St. Nicholas Parish in Obendorf, found not only was the church in shambles, but the organ had been destroyed. He was deeply saddened because Christmas was approaching. And he couldn't imagine the St. Nicholas Chapel being silent and quiet on Christmas Eve. So, Pastor Moore pulled out a poem that he'd written and asked a local schoolmaster by the name of Franz Gruber to compose a tune on his guitar. It only took Gruber a few hours to compose the music. The song was Silent Night. Think about that for a moment. Silent night, holy night, all is calm. All is bright. This song of serenity emerged from the ravages of a flood. The song that we sing here at Ebenezer Church to end every single Christmas candlelight service. A hymn of peace was forged out of chaos. How can that be? My brothers and sisters, it's because when we give God our fear, God returns peace to us. A peace that extends beyond our understanding and our circumstance. We have a choice. We can live in fear, Well, we can take those fears to God and exchange them for a true and lasting shalom for real peace. Peace is part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. It is fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. Would we be willing to try? The next time we find ourselves afraid or anxious or worried, stop immediately and pray. Pray. Taking a moment to give God thanks for all that is beautiful in your life. Confess to God the source of your fear. Give it up, church. Give up your fear for peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are our constant companion, that your anchor holds in our lives. 
Storms will sometimes, sometimes it feels like often, rage in our lives. But you tell us of your peace. Peace that's beyond understanding and circumstance. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus Christ, your blessed Son. For the ensuing gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Father, in our times of anxiety and fear, give us the grace to pause and pray. Offering you that source of our fear and in the same moment giving you thanks for all the ways in which you have provided. Claiming the promise of your peace that surpasses all understanding. Send us forth, O God, into the storm as a people of peace. In the name and always to the glory of Christ we pray. Amen.